Borat Song Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the ninth episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. How are you doing this week, Fox? Oh, man, I'm... Well, are we talking about it after I read this or before I read this? Oh, man, buddy. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> that was that might not be anything bad. Maybe there's some good things in here, or mm. maybe I hate all of it. Who knows? Maybe. So, uh, who this knows? Ep- yeah, this episode we're once again venturing away from the month from the weekly progs and checking out the 2008 annual 1978. Uh, annuals are a little weird for 2008 because the titles of them are for the next year, not the year <laughs> they actually came out. So this thing came out in like fall. 1977 but it's the 1978 annual um like the summer special the summer sci-fi special these comics feature different creator teams and a lot of weird and different stuff (laughs) (laughs) um luckily the recently added future shocks at least kind of create an umbrella that allows the publishers to put out random sci-fi stories yeah i mean it's a for good or for ill thing yeah so these annuals were hardbacked books and they're huge like this Annual that we have this year is um, over 120, uh, 120 pages, which mm-hmm. is like twice the size of the sci-fi special and is the same amount of pages as a month of progs that we usually cover in a standard episode. Yeah, and actually very limited color pages. So they, they started out strong with color. They fade in. They go to an like an orange almost and then yeah. fade back into black, which was actually like interesting because the closer you got to the end of the book, the darker like <laughs> a lot of the comic got. Yeah, I got part, part of me wonders how much of that is just the scan that we have of these pages or something like that. But let's that's, talk about it as we go, I guess, you know? Yeah. So a lot of thrills this one. There's 18 thrills by my count. So let's get started. Thrill one, Dan Dare. It's a Dan Dare and the Curse of My Tax. And this is... <laughs> Uh, version one Dan Dare. It's the mm-hmm. not the one with the sweet coat that we just got in uh, the Prague's last episode. I liked that guy. Yeah, now this is the guy with the widow's peak and the weird eyebrows. <laughs> oh God, really weird eyebrows though. Yeah. So this one is a prequel to the events of the Prague's. Like actually, a lot of the of the stories that are based that are around the Prague's um, that we've seen. You know, he's the captain of a ship. He and his buddy Wally um, come across a runaway ship about to hit the Earth, and they sort of spacewalk aboard and make it, and you know, stop it basically. While aboard, they find weird green blobs, and then <laughs> the ship is sucked into an alternate reality, into an alternate planet or reality or kind of thing. It goes through a wormhole. <laughs> they land on a weird planet. <laughs> the planet has, you know, kind of a Roman Colosseum kind of theme. I'm gonna say. But it's ruled by a fat dude with a goatee named named Mytax and his buddy Solon, who is a green, winged, demon-looking guy with like a widow's peak and long green hair. Looks like Mr. Monday. He's got a a fearsome haircut like Mr. Monday. He's also got like a big old forehead. And, you know, the wings are a big difference, I'd say. <laughs> Anyhow, it's pretty clear that this guy, uh, Solan, is all powerful. He can like create force fields that keep Dandare from shooting Mytax, who is like a criminal who Dandare saw spaced once, like you know, kicked out the airlock into space, but is apparently 
was saved by Solon, and now he's in the ruler of this planet and busting people around. He's got a bunch of shirtless mohawk dudes that do his bidding and stuff. World War Hulk style. Basically. And actually, I think World War Hulk style, they tossed Dan Dale with just a sword to fight this sweet-ass uh, spider monster thing. Yeah, man. Um, Dan Dale wins, and at this point, things get pretty Star Trek-y. <laughs> okay. Because yes. we, we find out that actually Solan is just a child of the race of all-powerful green demon dudes. <laughs> Who live and, inside of stars, I guess. Yeah, and so, like, Solan's dad shows up and is like, sorry for the bother, buddy. Yeah, he was kind of a scamp. And it turns out... to rule the universe. <laughs> exactly. And it turns out that the whole planet was created by Solan, <laughs> and the dad uh, apologizes and sort of leads Dan, Dare, and Wally back to Earth, and they sort of ditch my tax on the planet to be eaten by more sweet spider monsters. <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty gruesome. You know, I'm a fa- I, 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 I'm. It's really dumb, but <laughs> I do like that Star Trek thing where the all-powerful guy turns out to be a kid of the race or something. Yeah, no, just... I, I loved this episode of Dan Dare, even though it started out as, "No, nah, I know everything. Just let me handle it." Mm-hmm. Which is like that old style that I fucking hate. But the rest of this got so awesome so quickly. Yeah. It, just the the child thing always reminds me of that episode of Futurama where they did Star Trek stuff, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, like, the Energy Cloud was just a child," and the Energy Cloud's mother is like, "Child, he's thirty four. <laughs> oh. oh man! <laughs> but yeah, no, this is a pretty solid Dan Dare, all full color and stuff, which is pretty neat. Also, he fights with the sword, kind of neat. He's, he sword fights a giant space spider. Like I'm in favor of it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you can fight something that looks like that with a sword, I'm pretty impressed in mm-hmm. general. Yeah, but I guess like how he defeated, and that's a question mark. Uh, Solan is a bit weird. He's like, ah, I'm not afraid of you. Yeah, and I guess their powers work off of people being afraid of them. But then the dad shows up and is like, ah, he's just weird. Don't worry about him. We're going now. Yeah, it's that, like, you know. does, do his powers work off fear? Is that like, I, that's where it's, I don't... Maybe he manages to learn some extra dimensions of it as part of being grown up or something. Maybe. But it's I'm not, I'm just not too worried like about it, you know? way <laughs> of defeating the enemy. That yeah, said... for sure. What I like about, like, classic science fiction is they don't have to explain it, right? They just kind of toss something out and then you, you know, it's your fault for thinking too heavily about it. Like, these guys are just trying to make a buck, you know? Right, so and that's and that's where it's like the simplicity is what I like out of the story, for sure. Especially with how it wraps up with a two winged dudes in space flying a starship back to Earth. <laughs> oh yeah! All right, so let's go to thrill two general nonfiction space stuff. <laughs> so you know, there's stuff about space shuttles. There's hyper close up photography of random objects. There's <laughs> an article about the possibility of submarine oil tankers that makes many claims with no citations, which are (laughs) definitely needed. Uh, There's some sort of, there's a general history of the American space program up to 1977. Just all the, if you kind of have read like a picture book about space stuff in your (laughs) life, because you were like a kid and you were like, oh, I like space stuff. And so your, your parents gave you like a, 
you or you got a book from the library about astronauts, you read all this stuff. You're good to go. <laughs> I uh, I skipped through every single page of it because it looked absolutely dry. I I looked at the pictures and read some captions, and I read enough to know that this is not <laughs> this is not what I'm ready reading the 2080 annual for. Thank you very much. You know what I am reading it for Fox. I don't know. What could you possibly be? Oh, it's some kind of trap! Thrill 3 Invasion. Uh, the story's called Tank Trap. Oh, yeah. It's, so, the, uh, it's the most amazing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the Vogs are sending tanks against a uh, British uh, food riot. <laughs> Silk and Savage uh, take control of one tank and destroy another one and then kind of leg it for the sewers. We gotta get rid of these tanks, Fox. That's the answer. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know how we do it? We gotta take down their uh, tank fuel supply. Well, how are and, we gonna do that, Conrad? Well, the tank, the fuel supply is carried on the super tanker in the water out in a uh, opposite Gravesend. So <laughs> there's only one thing for it, and it's to take a couple weeks for uh, Savage to learn military grade scuba diving. <laughs> And then attach some mines onto the super tanker. That's how you do it. Oh, okay. Well, what if they get caught? Well, okay. <laughs> the plan is you put five mines around different parts of the tanker. They all go off at the same time and destroy the super tanker. Uh-huh. Uh, we need at least a couple of them on there to uh, destroy the tanker. But if for some reason a bunch of Volgon uh, scuba divers come after us and we have to fight them in an underwater knife fight <laughs> we'll knock out one all right okay and we'll attach our last limpet mine the, the other four haven't been detached and fallen to the bottom of the ocean we'll attach the last one on to the air tank of the knocked out bull guy wait 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 but why would you attach a limpet mine to the back of a Volgon well, because, uh, oxygen tank. Well, we, we've knocked that guy out, right? So yeah. when he comes to, we'll just kind of leave him hanging on to the ladder of the super tanker. He'll okay. come to, assume that he won the fight but got knocked out. Okay, that's a lot of assumptions, but all right. <laughs> yeah, but so then he'll climb back onto the onto the deck of the ship. Okay. And no, no one will notice the mine there, but then it'll go off. And while several Sorry. mines... While several mines were required to destroy the ship from the bottom, only one is required to destroy it from the top. And then, so, when the mine on the diver's back goes off, the whole tanker will explode in a huge kerboom! (laughs) Victory Savage and Silk! You know, uh, I'm kind of bought into this plan. There's a little bit of risk. I'm in. Listen, it's always good... It's always worth the risk if it involves underwater knife fighting. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> that was pretty great. I, I'm going to say, because this is where we see it first, uh, man, Silk giving some friggin' back chat. He even says, and I this like got so far under my skin, he says that he did not agree with Savage's methods. <laughs> Bullshit. This guy has been with him everywhere, has basically, like, talked smack to the Brigadier. He's talked smack to other people. He has used all of his skills in an effort to help Savage every single time he's in something. And some random comic in the annual, he's just like, I don't agree with how he took out these tanks. 
He jumped into a tank, killed three men, had you load a tank shell into the gun, shoot it at a tank, and then two other tanks exploded. I think he's just salty that, like, he got some sewer water on his trench coat. That's, like, this is right after they got out of the sewers. I think that's the thing. That like, is kind of true. He's just being really salty. Like, the brigadier's, like, like yells at them for smelling bad in his office, you know? Like, yeah. sorry, we're fighting an underground resistance movement and we don't smell like roses. Your <laughs> your honor, or whatever. You know, yeah. sir. <laughs> Jesus. This was a... This, see, this is what I mean. Uh, I mean, I'd spoken a little bit about this, but, like, Dan Dare, good. This is really good. This feels like a, just a longer... Um, invasion comic, and to be honest, I wouldn't mind them giving it another two pages. There's if this decent... is what comes out, yeah, no, there's an underwater some... knife fight. They, they they basically had room to sort of put two invasion stories together. Like this could easily, like you can see sort of the spot where it's like, all right, normally this would be one story, like they do the tank stuff, and then they'd be like okay, now we're going to do scuba diving stuff, and the scuba diving stuff is, is in the next prop, you know? Mm. But it's still really fun, man. It's really like, you know, I love when Savage just uses his shotgun to overcome really <laughs> overwhelming odds. Like, that's about to become a big theme in the progs. Um, <laughs> or knock a dude on his skull underwater, which then knocks him out so he can install a limpid mind onto his oxygen tank. Man, I hate underwater fighting scenes in movies because the water makes it go makes people go really slow and stuff <laughs> yeah but but i love underwater fights in comic books because things seem faster and crazier underwater yeah because it will they it's like sudden it's like boom i got him in the neck with a knife and you're just like oh savage just knifed that guy in the throat and he's underwater. Yeah. it's good they're underwater so they can't use guns you know they gotta they gotta stab it out Dude, frogmen get murdered so quickly. I, okay, I love this. And uh, really, just high five, guys, for being good so far. Yeah, I just want to say at the end also, there's a part where Silk's like, you know, Savage is the best fighter we have for Britain. And Savage just looks straight at the camera and says, I didn't do it for Britain, I did it for revenge. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, remember, kids, if someone kills your family, you kill everybody when involved, like 100%. I just appreciate his frank and honest um, admittance that he's doing it for revenge and not for patriotism or something. I think, I mean, he's a great anti-hero, right? Like, he's not exactly doing the, the good guys, save everybody, tie up the bad guys thing. He's shooting and knifing people in the neck. This isn't DC and this is not Marvel. I mean, I just, I don't know how you how you class Savage at this point, because I think he's honestly just a hero, but he's just really overboard. <laughs> Yeah, like, well, so that's the thing, is, like, like how is he no, different than the Punisher and its circumstance? I mean, yeah, the the difference is that while the Punisher is kind of crazy and thinks he's fighting a war, Savage is literally fighting a war. Like, exactly. War was declared by government agencies, and the fact that it happens to be taking place in the streets of England or whatever doesn't make it any different than any than an actual sort of organized conflict, you know? So that whole that whole stout you know that whole like stat st- Stalin thing of like you know <laughs> you know one person dead is a tragedy or a thousand is, is a statistic or like there's you know when it's a war you don't call it murder or something like that is you know, well, exactly. savage you know well no it's it's exactly correct because it's it's all context and I think that it you know so we're we're talking about how 
um, you're mashing these two stories together, and all they really have to do is in like one and a half to two panels. They're just like, oh, tanks need oil. This is where their oil is. Mm-hmm. It mostly comes from this tanker. We got to get that tanker. Hey, surprise twist. Savage has to do something he doesn't like. Turns out he's really great at murdering in water because he's great at murdering everywhere. Have we? Yeah, no, he's this? a death god. That's how it goes. Yeah, he is a death god. then... <laughs> <laughs> And then does this thing and explodes a bunch of people and completely does his whatever and still looks like, oh, yeah, I forgot. He's the best. Yeah. Never forget that. (laughs) And that's why Silk is still alive and everybody else is dead. Because he's following the guy that murders. Exactly. Hey, speaking of murder, uh, Thrill 4 Hunted. This is weird. This is a weird story. It's about a cute little alien guy that... uh, is on the run. He runs from gunshots, from traps, like bear traps. He runs from other less cute aliens. In the end, he, uh, gets, he uh, sees the truth and is killed and finds out that he's actually on a uh, futuristic hunting uh, preserve killed by futuristic like country bumpkins. Pretty much. <laughs> like, like, you know they're bumpkins because like this guy calls his dad Paw, P-A-W, and stuff. And then... Tharg comes in and says, um, like, you Earthlets should not be hunting because hunting, because animals are cool and you guys are jerks. So think about what you've done. Splendugverthrig, you know? It's this really odd shoehorned in thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, I did not, I saw where it was going, right? Like, you get that by the second page you're like all right this is going to be like a thing and then it is yep um and that's great that's fine like you know exactly what it is and it's hitting you over the head but then instead of just yeah. hitting you over the head once it's like and, let me hit you one more time yeah Tharg and preachy is rough sledding for sure and and i don't know how i feel about it because like he is a preachy guy like we see that in Kind of how he talks to the listeners or, or the people writing in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a snarky dude, and he knows more than us because he's a spaceman. But yep, from Beetlejuice. Why but not? this is like a definitely feels like something you'd see on public access. You know, it's real. Yeah, it's definitely like the writers like anti getting real heavy handed with some sort of anti hunting message. Which fine, I'm okay with that. I guess <laughs> I don't really. I don't know if I have an opinion about hunting, honestly. No, I don't either, and um, that's where it's just like, why is this here? I totally get it. And if I totally get it, a kid gets it before I do. <laughs> exactly. So, hey. Yeah, oh, well. Let's anyway. just, yeah, enough of this. Let's go on to Thrill 5, Mach 1. So Mach 1, uh, John Probe, parachutes into a British uh, weapons test, but as he does, agents from... An Eastern nation. Hack into his hack into his brain, man. They yeah. hacked into his robot brain. That's not cool. Hey dude, it's got Wi Fi. It's got Bluetooth. Yeah. It's enabled. <laughs> so Probe has a rough landing with his parachute, but then eventually makes it to the weapons test. The weapons test is apparently this uh, miniature uh, rocket that it can be mounted on tanks and shot at other tanks and it's very powerful. NATO is super stoked about it. <laughs> Anyhow. Like, yeah, new missiles for NATO. The uh, the Eastern guys force Probe to steal the uh, prototype. And he 
so he rips it off the tank and runs over to the eastern, you know, to the Russians um, waiting in their uh, tech van or whatever. He hands over the missile. It's the perfect hideout. But then starts freaking out, and so he punches uh, the guys operating the things that's mind-controlling him. And so now he's not mind-controlled anymore. <laughs> the, uh, the government, you know, the Brits are, are closing in on him. Probe's got to get rid of these guys before they shoot him in the head and stuff. This is so awesome. Or before they, or sorry, they fire the missile at the, uh, at the encroaching British troops. So Probe does a natural thing. He uses his hyperpower. He grabs the fired missile and then, with his super strength, turns it back around on the eastern guys and uses the missile's exhaust like a flamethrower and just burns them all to death. That's so amazing. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. I, I've, never, um... I've, never, I've never thought of someone using a missile exhaust as a weapon and... It's everything it's I dreamed it could be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, you know, this is a, a more, quote, like, kind of conventional Mach 1 story. Yeah. But it's not. It's not um, kind of boring. It feels kind of like the the original Mach 1s, where it's a little bit faster paced. It's beat, 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 beat five yeah. pages. And it's like action, 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 action. Every beat has something going on. And the resolution is him destroying some people with like the exhaust from a rock <laughs> yeah it's got it's got two things that i'm actually that I, I, i've decided that i'm looking for in mach one just one uh the threat to him is a genuine threat like getting his brain hacked is a big deal and like an actual thing that like endangers him and two he solves the problem in like an innovative way which is by hosing someone down the, the flaming <laughs> exhaust from a missile that only he could do because of his super strength and stuff, you know? Of course. So, like, I appreciate it. This is a good Mach 1 story. It's a great Mach 1 story. Speaking of great stories, or weird stories? <laughs> yeah. Thrill 6, Harlem Heroes, and Jesus Christ, this one. <laughs> no. This is, like, it's weird because I feel like it ended well, and then it's the, this is the thing. And it's great, yeah, I think. So this is like a flashback to somewhere in the middle of Harlem Heroes, I'd say. They're well, going, they're they're heading out to a friendly in Berlin. So it's before you know the series ended and everybody involved in this is dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but so the heroes are going to Berlin. They're they're going to play a friendly against the Berlin Blitz Blitzkriegers, who are Nazis. It's like a hundred percent like white power. The the audience is chanting Sieg Heil. Um, it is it is they oh their emblem has the lightning bolt across their chest. Mm -hmm. Um, and instead of SS, it says BB. It is not. It's like definitely like Germany in the future is a hundred percent definitely. Uh, like these guys are just like, super Nazis. <laughs> They're like crazy Nazi-ish. I mean, we didn't really see this this part of stuff when in the final of Harlem Heroes where they fought the Teutonic Titans, which was also yeah. a German team. Like those guys were sort of old school, like night stuff, instead of just like, hey, like we're freaking oh, Nazis. Conrad. It was less when, explicit. When did, That's what I'm trying to say. When did the Berlin Wall go down again? <laughs> what, like 1989 or something like that? So they were still in a world where the communist side and the not communist side were split. Could be. 
So I'm sure that there's some weird, like, I don't know. It's the only thing I can think of if you have the Teutonics and then you have the Dutch Nazis. I I just don't think they didn't think about it. I just think they didn't think about it that much. And instead, they were just like, hey, like, you know, we we need some guys for the Harlem Heroes to play. What stereotypes haven't we used yet? Like... Well, I guess that's fair. There's Nazis. Like, oh, okay, we'll figure that out. <laughs> I mean, vampires, they didn't do a lot of things. Pirates? We'll see, you know. Oh, we'll God, see, I hope. We'll see as Inferno goes on. I can't say anything for, for, for certain, but Inferno oh. gets weird. <laughs> I'm really going to like it if Inferno gets weird. But so, yeah, so they chant uh, Sig Heil for their players and stuff. The crowd, <sighs> the crowd hates the heroes. They call them like Schweinhunds, like uh, pig dogs and stuff. They, uh, one guy throws a bottle at Giant during the uh, during the match, or at a Slim, I guess, during the match, mm-hmm. and then gets his ass kicked, and then like the crowd all piles on on him, which leads to Slim grabbing the guy from the crowd and then hanging him on the um, on like the spikes that go all around the different um, they go all around the score tank, like where you mm-hmm. put the ball in an arrow ball. Basically, just to set up the fact that there are spikes around the score tank, essentially. <laughs> yep. And that, by the way, if it's skin to those spike contact, you definitely die from the electricity. Mm-hmm. So, matches goes bad. Uh, the uh, Blitzkriegers are a really <laughs> tough physical team, and it's hard for the heroes to get past them. Everybody's injured and stuff. They call a big timeout and consult with uh, Lewis, our uh, brain-in-the-jar strategist. Who is still doing his Lewis thing. Yeah, he's not quite... He, he doesn't quite have psychic powers yet, so he's just a master strategist. <laughs> not a psychic brain. Mm-mm. He explains, uh, just like the actual Nazis, that they have a soft underbelly. Like That's a big uh, Winston Churchill thing to say. And the uh, heroes use it to their advantage... Use this concept to their advantage and end up drawing level with the Blitzkriegers. By, like tricking them and using their standard sort of heroes like uh, speed and agility tactics. <laughs> the match culminates when the butcher, the uh, or the Berlin butcher, the captain of the uh, of the of the Blitzkriegers team, throws down his gauntlet and challenges Giant to a one-on-one match. Which always works out so well for the other person, I'm sure. I mean, a lot goes on. Uh, Giant gets hit by the Butcher's spiked helmet, and it uh, messes up the accelerator on his jetpack so that he can't slow down. He's at top speed. He, he ends up um, maneuvering himself so that he drops his jetpack and then lands on top of the Butcher. The two of them maneuver themselves. He sort of rides the Butcher, and the two of them fight in midair. And Giant's able to score, and as he scores, the Butcher impales himself on the spikes around the tank and dies. It's uh, it's pretty intense, like and, uh, gruesome. Yeah, and you know, with that gruesome spectacle of Giant standing above the butcher's dead corpse on the score tank, Giants win three two. Break out the champagne. Yep, and <laughs> and then of course, uh, uh, Brandon the Jar guy Lewis just saying like, oh, I can't drink. That's the end. Well, he can't. Of course, he can't. The uh, bubbles go straight to his head. Uh, 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 that guy died. <laughs> <laughs> um, what can but, I say? But he was a Nazi. That's a low calorie kill. Like whatever. Exactly. 
Um, what can I say other than good generic hero story? Uh, I feel like it didn't need to exist. It does. It is inoffensive uh, in that it is killing Nazis. Yeah. It is strange in that it involves Nazis. Mm-hmm. And I, I can I see it. <laughs> what else can we really say? No, nah, it's just sort of more hero, you know, decent hero stuff. I'm all for it. I, I, it's not like the worst. It's just like weird. I didn't yeah. expect it, really. I, I when I jumped into this, I was like, "Why the fuck is Harlem Heroes in this?" And I thought it was fun. And as these angles go by, we'll get sort of periodic, sort of Harlem Heroes one shots and stuff. That's a staple for a little while. That's awesome. Okay, you know? well, that's something to look forward to. I like Harlem Heroes. Yeah, and well, I mean, you know, and then we'll get, get Inferno stuff, and that's going to be that's so good. Okay. <laughs> Thrill 7, more general nonfiction space stuff. Yeah. So it's the uh, it's a thing where the uh, the Russian capsule and the American capsule meet up, and then the cosmonaut and the astronaut guy like shake hands in outer space. It's a thing. I remember seeing it. They have a replica of it built in the Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. that I recently went uh, visited. You know, <laughs> generic space stuff. It's fine. <laughs> Did you? I mean, I mm, boring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Let's let's go to Thrill Eight and the Voyage. This is an intense uh, vignette. Yeah, this one's just a one-off. Uh, a sailor dude on sort of a party cruise out in New Zealand uh, sails too close to an atomic test blast on some sort of random atoll kind of thing. Um, all his friends die and. He survives, but he loses all of his hair because of like radiation poisoning and stuff like that. He becomes, he keeps sailing, but is obsessed by nuclear war. Like he, he says, like I keep sailing because if, what, being out on the water is um, the safest place to be for when the nukes finally fall. So he gets involved in a uh, transatlantic uh, sailing solo sailing race, I guess. Yeah, it's weird. And while while taking part in it like sort of uh, during the Atlantic, like he keeps hearing about, he keeps listening to news reports about like sort of war escalating in the Middle East and stuff. And, and in a peak of rage, he throws the radio out of the boat. Like a fool, like now, now he can't get updates. He just keeps sailing. He makes his way into New York. As he does, he finds the harbor empty and the city quiet until the air is pierced by the four-minute <laughs> We, uh, alarm sirens and the uh, and the comic ends with the whole city sort of being enveloped in a mushroom cloud as rubble and eventually the head of the Statue of Liberty go flying from the force of the atomic blast. Really cool visuals in this. Yeah, like especially the end. Like they don't like say like the end or like explain what happened. He's just like no, and then you just kind of it, um, explosions in a fade to white kind of thing. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I loved the story, especially the obsession, man. Like, this was just a... Uh, you kind of... I didn't know exactly where it was going until it was like, oh, every... Like, last panel, like, oh, no one's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to take us... Um, I had to kind of look yeah. past... Look back a little bit to figure out what exactly was happening and stuff. But I think it's pretty neat. I like it a lot. It, this is possibly the... One of the few that I actually like of these particular vignettes yeah it's a good it's just a good sort of nuclear anxiety um kind of story mm. which i feel like we sort of have lost track of these days 
as yeah. our fears move more towards terrorism and stuff instead of sort of the Russians nuking us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nuclear bombs are scary. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I guess not as scary as crossword puzzle stamps or perhaps your very dreams. Oh, why you gotta you gotta preempt me? Thrill nine, crosswords, joke comics, and stamps. <laughs> so it's just two it's two pages. Uh, there's a there's a crossword, uh, top crossword question. Twenty is twenty-two across. Uh, Bill Savage has vowed to do or to to do this for the killing of his wife and children. Six letters. Then uh, there's some, <laughs> there's some single panel comics like there's a, a supercomputer uh, that is tired of doing mathematics and just wants to be a 2000 AD artist. Amazing. Uh, aliens uh, that are that encounter a piano and says I don't like looks of his teeth <laughs> and stuff like that. Then there's another stamp article. <laughs> this one's mostly uh. about um, Eastern Bloc space stamps. So like if you want to get some sweet Czechoslovakia space stamps or whatever, then you this is how you sort of are aware of them. Hooray! <laughs> answer the crossword puzzle was avenge. <laughs> Not to be confused with revenge. No man, that's that's letters. like yeah, that's too many letters. <laughs> you got to keep it in mind. It's funny though, especially because at the end of of um, invasion, he says he said specifically that he is revenging them instead of avenging them. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> revenge, avenge. I mean, how different could they possibly be being completely different words? Yeah, you know. Anyhow, Thrill 10, the dream machine. So the shading for this comic is kind of weird. Like, it's basically black and white, but then, like, it's, like, all the coloring is done in red and, like, different kind of, like, lighter shades of red and stuff. Mm-hmm. And on the scan, we have at least a little off kilter. At first, I thought it was actually one of those, um, it was like a 3D comic. Like the, and it's yeah, more telling it because it's a little fuzzy. It's fuzzy enough with the red that you could maybe imagine there's blue in there too that you could use like the old like red and blue 3D glasses to look at, but mm. not the case. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, this story is real weird. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. They put this guy in a tube, and then he dreams stuff while he's in the tube. He dreams of this being is, a. So before right? we continue. This is at that very point where I became confused about the rest of the story. Yep, it's weird. So he he dreams he's a spaceman who lands in prehistoric Earth and finds some cavemen guys and kind of kills a mammoth for them and then teaches them how to make fire and stuff. And in as, his dreams, yeah, in his dream. And then meanwhile, this other. So, and then a bunch of scientists are watching this on TV, watch the dream projected on the screen, I should say. And one of the scientists is like, this is blasphemous. I can't let this go on. This guy's dreams are rewriting our whole concept of history. And it's like, and the other scientist, like, it's just a dream. And I don't understand, like, why this guy's dreams are so important. Because I dream some wacky stuff. And this guy's taking those dreams very seriously. And I don't understand why he's why they're taking this dream so seriously. Yeah, this isn't some weird sex dream. Instead it's a power fantasy dream. Yeah. And it's just like, well okay, but like oh but this guy's like, oh no, but his dreams are blasphemous. It's like what? I don't know. But anyhow <laughs> It seems like every action that's taken anyway, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's keep let's get through it. But so that guy like interrupts the dream, the guy and the uh, dreaming guy wakes up. They put him back in the dream tube 
And this time, he's the same guy in the spaceship, and he's flying away from Earth, out past the galaxy, deep into the outside of the universe. And apparently, we learn some kind of secret about the ultimate truth of reality. <laughs> and it just kind of makes the guy who's dreaming like fade away into nothingness. And then the guys who look at the screen, everybody goes blind or crazy. <laughs> and like, there's a big epilogue of like, you know, the main doctor, Dr. Brenner would never be able to divulge the ultimate secret. It was not for living men to tell. And it's like, but so who was that guy? How did so, they know to put him in the dream tube? It's not clear. So my theory is this. They're using the the abbreviated words for IQ. They're like, you've got the highest IQ of any human being ever recorded. You are this IQ thing. We really want you to get in this dream machine. And my guess is this, and this is the logical leap, but I believe that it follows for the two examples. Uh-huh. That he is so brilliant that in his dreams where he is able to, like, explore these concepts that he's tackling on a higher level than us, of, like, how did humans get fire, and also what's at the edge of the universe, and then having it then recorded blew people's minds. But, man, like, so this is good sci-fi. Because it, it does enough hand-waving at the beginning, in my mind, at least for the schlock factor of just like, no, don't man, rape I, at it with dreams. Like, I just, I wish they did more to explain why they chose this guy besides him just having a high IQ. Yes. I, w- I wish that before he disappeared, he'd like said he had a total recall moment and be like, you blew my cover or something like that. You yes. Know what I mean? Yes. It just feels like... Or, like, that they have some sort of proof of this and it's not just some random guy having a dream or something. I don't know. So that's, that's what I mean, is just that there are too many missing elements even for it being this hand-waved thing, <clears throat> which I think is good. You shouldn't sit there and explain it too much. You should show the cool sci-fi shit. You gotta explain it a little to explain. bit. But this that's what I mean, is that, <laughs> that, like, every single step of this thing, you're like, why do we care about what he's doing showing these cavemen fire? He's dreaming. And yeah. that's the thing you're constantly saying to yourself. He's dreaming. He's yeah, dreaming. He's... Why did people die because he's dreaming? Why did he vanish because he's dreaming? Yeah, there's no, like, oh, but we can verify it with XYZ, you know, so we know that it's more than a dream, you know? I don't know. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> these side things. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this this one, yes. Yeah. Thrill eleven, Judge Dread. Creepy spooky recording voicemails. Listen, someone's using video phone messages to kill judges and making the judge ki- the judges kill other judges. It's bad. Nobody answered the video phone until we've sorted this out. But Judge Dredd is like, screw that, I make my own rules, I'm gonna take this guy down. But not before getting sassed by my favorite person. Uh, my favorite female character outside of Old One Eye and possibly the only other recurring female character in all of 2018. I was going to say, I think, I think she's your favorite because there's only two. <laughs> Maria, who's like there at his house and he's like, why are you here? And she's like, I just because I'm not working doesn't mean I don't worry about you. You need to eat food and not just eat out of this replicator. You need to meet women or whatever. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, Judge Dredd, I'm busy. <laughs> and then he answers a video phone. 
Yeah, and he answers a video phone. It sends him freaky voicemail messages. Judge Dredd seems to go insane, but no. Instead, he's made a fake going crazy Judge Dredd while he inst in, uh, tracks the source of the call to some guy confined to a wheelchair because of a judge's bullet and he's out for revenge. Hell yeah. Yeah. Instead, Judge Dredd revenges him and, like, uh, electrocutes him with some wires and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end, after he's killed the guy, the dude gets a phone call, and Judge Dredd lets the operator know that he can't answer unless <laughs> they have phones in hell. Judge Dredd is so enjoyable, and it's for moments like this. <laughs> <clears throat> I, so, this is good, oh. from front to back. Yeah, no, fine. Good outing. I like it. He's just, Judge Dredd's just like, I'm Judge Dredd. I'm going to solve this case. He solves the case. The guy gets killed. There's a pun at the end. I don't know what else you want. Also, any time that the side characters are, like, the chief judge and Maria, and that there's no Walter involved. Uh, he, it's funny you were pretty anti-maria when she first appeared but i guess i, I think walter's showing up as uh raised her raised her in your esteem a little bit uh, so funny. it's very true it was like this really intense character but uh she's she's kind of endearing <laughs> uh, a lot more so than having like there was an entire comic or uh, several comics that I read for a, a particular week that we were about to record, where every time I read Judge Dredd, I read it as Judge Dredd. And I was like, God damn it. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, wait till we're only a few months away from Walter having his own comic, like a one-pager at the end of each of Prague. It's going to be good. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Thrill 12, Mach 1 again yeah it's another mach one story that's fine this one's called operation hercules um this is kind of an uneventful mach one I'm this is say. a shit one no it's it's garbage. yeah it's complete like, tat so some guys so you know a plane gets hijacked this is an old school hijacking so instead they fly it to some uh, random made-up country mach one helicopter oh sorry mach one skydives in kills a bunch of dudes uh everybody's safe good times I, it just, it was like there was no aliens, there was no cool ray or laser, there wasn't yeah. like an island. It was just like, ah, oh, we went to a base, now we're not in the base anymore. Well, it's the exact opposite of the earlier Mach 1 that we saw, you know, that was earlier in this episode. Where yeah. That one, there was a threat to Mach 1 that was new, and he did things in an innovative way. Um, in this one, there's no threat, like Mach 1 just sort of makes his way through without much trouble. He ends up, like, he takes out a bunch of guards and then grabs one of their guns for later in the mission just because he feels like it'll be easier to threaten the other base guards if he has a gun in his hand instead of just his bare hands as Mach 1. <laughs> um, and then he just sort of takes him out through conventional Mach 1 means. Like, there's no new thing that happens. There's no threat. So it's like, whatever, this is the bad one. Like, I would forgive it if he <clears throat> hit someone with a motorcycle or... Like, blew someone up in a plane or something. But nope, yep. nothing happens in this. Yeah. Like, I don't remember anyone dying. I mean, he kills a couple guards and stuff, but, like, the the, the uh, hostages aren't even really, like, in danger. Like, one guy sprains his ankle, and he's like, just leave me. And Mach 1's like, screw that. He just carries him to the plane. And, like, sure. Escape. Like, that's a minor setback, and it's not like... He spends a lot of time having to carry this injured dude. He just kind of like it's one panel and the guy's like good to go. Right. Whatever. I just, 
I no memorable deaths. <laughs> That's nope. all I'm saying. Definitely no. There's death. I mean, people die, but there's no. I mean, it's a far sight from grabbing a missile and then burning people alive with a missile exhaust. You know. Yeah. It's a far sight from next episode where he beats people to death with a frozen corpse. Like, <laughs> He's so, not kidding. So, you know. It's amazing. Whatever. Also, that's, just a, that's a teaser for everybody. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> oh my god, it's magic. But let's let's keep it in, in the annual with Thrill 13, The Buffalo Hunt. This is a fucking wolf in sheep's clothing yeah man it's a you think it's gonna be like i don't know some kind of native american thing people cut buffalo but no man it's a fucking flesh prequel don't be fooled (laughs) like it turns out that the trans time corporation uh wants to start selling buffalo meat so as well as dinosaur meat Gee, I wonder who works for the Trans Time Corporation. Why, Earl Reagan and our buddy Claw Carver, the original Odd Couple. So, <laughs> is like, is he, see, this already, I'm sorry that I'm talking about this during, but this already pisses me off. Is he out of jail? When is this? No, this is a prequel, if you ask me. But this they, happens, I guess this so happens him be, and Claw be, Carver have just hated each other forever? Yeah, that's the they, like, arrive at the uh, saloon in Flesh, and Clark Carver's there, and he's like, that Earl Reagan, I don't like that boy. Yeah. But so they're sent back in time to get, like, 12, bu- to get 12 buffaloes to be sort of bred in the future, basically. Uh, to do so, they kind of come across some regular hunters and some Native American guys who sort of make things more difficult, and Earl Reagan's real worried about the timeline. But in the end, they need not worry. They got the buffaloes. The uh, buffalo hunter guys were killed, are killed by the Indians right after um, Earl Reagan and Clark Carver teleport out. And the only record of the whole thing is like some um, Native American pictures of sh- depicting these events, basically, that no one cares about. They're just Indians or something like that. Uh, pretty much. That's, that's pretty much how this wraps up, which, uh, you know, not the flesh I've come to love. Man, like, okay... Here's the thing about Flesh. <laughs> I want to stress this, all right? The cool thing about Flesh is not cowboys going back in time to get meat. Yeah. The cool thing about Flesh is that those cowboys then fight fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> not go back to a time when literally there were cowboys. Back when cowboys were making what we know as cowboys today happen first. Yeah. Like, okay, like the, the high concept for Flesh is cowboys go back in time to to uh, rope and raise dinosaurs. Every every part of that sentence is important for, the, for it to be good, you know? Exactly. Like Interesting when, new fresh concept versus uh, weird sci-fi concept about sending future cowboys to past cowboys' time? Yeah, like... The cowboys are an important part of flesh, but that the cowboys are throwing lassos at dinosaurs is just as important. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Like, it wouldn't be as good if it was just sort of futuristic, random future dudes going after the dinosaurs. I have plastic dinosaurs, and I have plastic cowboys, or tin cowboys. Yep. And those and guys got to fight. And toys that I yep. have. Smash them together. Yeah, they're definitely going to fight. So... 
this thing where the flesh guys go for buffaloes. Man, I don't care about buffalo. Well, I mean, oh yeah, okay, IRL. Like I care about buffaloes. They're they're majestic beasts, and buffalo burgers can be tasty. Yeah, it's good. To, it's good to conserve them, and they're endangered, and blah blah blah. All of and these like, things are true. And like the buffalo, and like buffalo hunters are kind of jerks, and like we all know that sad scene in Dances with Wolves and all that stuff. <laughs> But as a consumer of 1970s science fiction comics, these guys going after buffaloes is bullshit and terrible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, whatever. I fucking <laughs> very, very much appreciate that because this was some ass. And I really want people to understand, like, flesh flesh meant something to me, goddammit. It, it made me love comics again and opened me up to invasion and all of the silliness that so far 2008 has been 75 to 80 percent uh consistent with I, and yeah and it's tripe like this that i'm like who is it that's like you need to do an annual and you need to do this because whoever the guy is that runs this project is like who gives a fuck they want us to do this thing just get it out so that we can keep doing what we do yeah i mean we've got a couple more story good stories left but Let's just keep going. Thrill 14, the monsters. Okay, so uh, monsters are attacking a farm. Uh, the uh, farm, you know, farm dad shotguns one of them. Oh, man, it looks like they, they look just like us humans. Ah, oh, no, but there's weird stuff coming out of them, whatever. Ah, oh, another one uh, comes, another one of these aliens comes through and shoots Pa. No, after that guy gets killed, we find out that, uh, yeah, it's weird that these um, aliens are bleeding blood and they don't have uh, tin pl- plate circuitry like us because these barber dudes are actually robots. And whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much this comic is whatever. It's just the, it's your standard Twilight Zone. Like, yeah. all the people you've identified with have been aliens all along. Look at that twist. Yeah, but <laughs> on the other hand, Thrill 15, White Fury. Oh, yes. Guys, this is a Shaco prequel, and it's so good. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is why he is king of all bears. So, Shaco the cub hanging out with his polar bear mama. A bunch of jerk humans uh, riding through the ice in one of those big icebreaker ships. They're bored and hanging out on the side of the boat, and they're like, hey, there's a polar bear, let's shoot it. And they do, and they kill Shaco's mama. Some bullcrap. The captain of the ship is like, you guys are jerks, which is true. <laughs> and says, yeah. Who give them for? And says, hey, like, if you, you just kill the mama bear, you leave the cub behind, that cub's just going to die of starvation because you guys are asses. So go out there and kill the cub, too. The mercy murder, I guess. This is proves to be a bad move as <laughs> as these two guys with guns try to kill Shacko. Shacko bites one of them on the ankle, and that causes the uh, guy trying to shoot Shacko to instead shoot his buddy and kill him. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is a this is a bear cub, no taller than the man's knee, who basically just kung fu'd one human into shooting another one, shooting and killing another one. And then successfully hid in the snow like a brilliant polar bear would. Yeah. He, so so Shaco Cub runs off. He's just sort of a bear cub right now. He uh, goes along the water and tries to take out a seal. There's some seals and eat them, but the seals are too quick for him. The cub falls into the 
freezing water, where he's accosted by a pod of killer whales. Bastards. Shacko turns to fight one, raking its eyes with his claws, and then escaping onto an ice floe. The orca gives chase. And this polar bear totally kills this killer whale out on, <laughs> uh, after the whale beaches himself. Shack, um, some Eskimos sort of look on on this and are like, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, an Eskimo and the guy who's... Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's true. But so the Eskimo now named Shacko a Shacko because a bear killing a killer whale is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> like, fuck, man, that bear's the most metal bear. Yeah, and it becomes even more metal when <laughs> the guy from the boat tries to shoot Shacko, misses, and then Shacko comes up and kills them both. Yep, I'm going to rend your flesh from your bones. He attacks one, um, he, he attacks the uh, guy from the boat, and uh, claws his eyes out, and then while that guy's wandering around, like I can't see, my eyes have been clawed out. Shaco just straight up like rips the rips the throat out of the other of the Eskimo, and then comes up behind the eyeless dudes and bites his head off. It's pretty yep. solid. Classic Shaco, but he's <laughs> not done yet, is he, Conrad? Well, what's what I will say is that's really, it's pretty crazy how. Um, it says, like, sometime later, and the people on the boat are, like, looking for Shacko, but Shacko has grown from a tiny bear cub to, like, I'd say a mid-sized bear. Like, he's yeah. human-sized now, so I'm just saying. <laughs> he's eaten a couple humans, survived a little bit. Yes. So, three um, more guys from the boat, like, come across the corpses of the guy Shacko just killed, and they're like, Jesus, that bear's hardcore. We gotta get out of here. They all <laughs> go back to the ice ship, the icebreaker ship in the middle of, like, a blizzard. Shacko gives chase. <laughs> he climbs aboard the ship, goes into like the underbelly, and starts eating people in like the boiler room, which is <laughs> really great. He's just the bottom of the ship. Room. He's basically just die. Well, I guess not dieharding. He's under sieging his way through this ship because <laughs> because when you're when you're dieharding in a ship, you're under sieging, Fox. That's how movies work. All right. <laughs> if you're under sieging in a train, or if you're uh, if you're dieharding on a train, then you're under sieging to dark territory. So, <laughs> anyhow, the people the people on the Stop. ship <laughs> try to kill Shacko. They miss, and then apparently the stuff Shacko's done below deck causes the ship to sink. <laughs> he kills everyone aboard and destroys the ship, and then just kind of walks into the sunset. He will ever be known as Shacko the Killer Bear. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, this was uh, a good comic book uh, uh, about a bear. I wasn't a big fan of the McDonald's or Burger King sponsorships, but all in all, very, very good. What? <laughs> no, it was amazing. <clears throat> it was. Uh, you got to be serious because there's there's Judd Dredd stuff about McDonald's and Burger King stuff no, that we're going to get to eventually. Off. I don't want to spoil it for you at all, but it's going to be a oh, thing. I'm excited. Okay. You're, you're going to love it. All right. All right. Well, this was amazing. I mean, that's all I got to say is like Shacko kept doing Shacko. And in the true sense of the animals can also be invincible and murder all the humans too narrative that we've got going on. Man, Shacko, Shacko is such, a ter such an awesome high point of these early 2000 ADs that like... <laughs> I just want him to I keep going back to it, you know. Yeah, I just want him to adorn armor 
and uh, conquest against man. He's just a murderous bear, and I'm, I'm all for it. You know, there's. I just want to say, like, where we started this comic was his mother died, and he, with good fortune, like, got away after another guy killed whatever mm-hmm. because he was hungry. He tried to get some food, ended up falling, killed an orca, yep. killed a man, killed another man, killed a couple people. Then, like, rested... Yeah, killed a couple people, then rested for a while, became slightly bigger, or, hey, maybe it was his superpower, as you have said before. He grows... Certainly possible. Certainly possible. He's discovered his inherent superpower now. Then, by the end of this story, has sank a ship. Yep. Sole survivor. (laughs) This is Shacko. What I want to know is, how has he known as Shacko? No one who called him that name survived to tell the tale. Uh, it's spread <laughs> on the winds and carried in the annals of all of the books that men have written. I'll buy it. <laughs> he is a death god. <laughs> There's a pantheon of death gods in these uh, in these early 2000 ADs. <laughs> My God, he's uh, he is a force of nature. I just want to have, have I just want to have a shrine with uh, Shacko on one side and Bill Savage on the other and just <laughs> worship their dark harvest. You know what I mean. He's a uh, uh, Conrad. Hold on. He's a death allegory. He's uh, you know. There's lots of snow. He's, he's uh, a death allegory because he kills everybody. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's not analyze. There's no. There's no subtext here. <laughs> it's text. <laughs> he's a death allegory because every two panels he's sunk his teeth or claws into something. Like there's sometimes there's like entendres or double entendres. This is just like this is just it. This is just shack. This is just a, a bear that bites people's faces off. They show you him biting their faces off. It's really consistent. <laughs> uh, man, this was uh, this was so good. Yeah. <sighs> All right, Thrill 16, Judge Dredd. So this is actually, we just had an, had, recently had another rematch with uh, Whitey, the first yeah, was, criminal we saw Judge Dredd take down. And this is I another was about one. to say, like, what's the hard-on for Whitey? Man, I'm tired of Whitey, and I'm pretty, um, I'll sort of spoil you for like 10 years from now in the Prague. <laughs> There's one story where it's like the Judge Dredd, like, 20th anniversary, and... Mm-hmm. Whitey is like, uh, he served his sentence and he comes out and he's like, I'm Whitey. I'm going to take down Judge Dredd. And everyone's like, who? Like, what? (laughs) No one cares about you anymore, bro. Who are you? So it's funny to see him sort of turn up twice so close together here. It's really weird. Yeah. So basically, Judge Dredd's sort of driving along minding his own business. He runs afoul of some drones that have demolecularization beams. Um, they destroy the World Trade Center buildings, which <laughs> I, I guess got rebuilt at some point, or they didn't see that coming in 1977, I suppose. Yeah, they, uh, uh, this is some Nostradamian shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. But, uh, anyhow, the Justice Computer, the Macro Analysis Computer, or Mac, identifies the voice of the person controlling the drones as Whitey's brother, who's like a physicist or whatever. Um... The demands by the brother is that Whitey must be freed. Anyhow, they go along with it, but in, but instead of handing him over, Judge Dredd gr- grabs one of the demolecularization drones and turns it on Whitey's brother and demolecularizes him, which is pretty dope. And then Whitey yeah. goes back to he- goes back to Devil's Island. Oh yeah, and you know, 
Everything swept clean. I'm just getting tired of Whitey. This was a really good Judge Dread, though. It's cool, man. I, I think I've been saying it okay, but man, demolecularization is hard to say. It, it really is. Uh, I just call it blowing up in the coolest way possible. Yeah, man. Uh, it takes out. Yeah, it takes out the the uh, the, the twin towers. Takes <clears> out like the bridge of an overpass, and Judge Dredd sort of falls through and stuff. It's pretty neat. All your molecules turn to sand. Apparently, it's bad. Yeah, not great. But good Judge Dredd. Yeah. No, inoffensive. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> All right, getting towards the end now. Thrill seventeen. The symbiote. So this is another sort of future shock sci um, sci-fi twist ending kind of thing. Uh, a young couple steal a spaceship. They get caught. They get sentenced, or they're found guilty. The uh, pe- the penalty for their crimes is they're turned into computer pilots, like symbiote pilots. That's where the title comes from. They're basically sort of cyborgs wired in to pilot spaceships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like I've seen s- some animes about this or something like that. Yeah, the, the human mind can process better than a computer and do all this stuff faster, all this crap. Yeah, so the male member of the uh, criminal couple becomes the pilot of a space patrol ship. Eventually he shoots down a smuggler ship, and at the last minute we find out that the ship is being piloted by his former girlfriend. Ooh, what a twist! Uh, good sci-fi, though. I, I liked the whole brain in a thing. I liked the laser guns. It was, like, from front to back, you knew it was going to happen at the end, approximately. Oh, yeah. But but uh, I really, I liked the art, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story was not bad. Yeah. It's perfectly, perfectly inoffensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say thrilling, but of course, there's no thriller power associated with the annual, if you've nope. noticed. No, it is... It is infested with thrill suckers. Yeah, thrill suckers coming to a 2000 AD prog near you in a couple of months. <laughs> oh, ugh. thrill eighteen, death bug. Oh Man, god, this, this one's dumb, Fox. Yeah, can we just uh, look? Look, okay, the, the okay. This part is a dog dies from bugs, and that's shitty. There's there's giant goddamn bugs. They eat this family's dog. They eat a police car that's got cops and a convict in it. It's bad. Eventually, the authorities uh, douse everything with gasoline. They set the gasoline on fire. Bada bing, bada boom. Bugs are dead. I, you know, we wouldn't want to get through this if it weren't for the fact that it was completely fucking stupid and a waste of time. <sighs> Who cares about these bugs? Who cares about these people? I don't. Yeah, and and that's the biggest problem. I I'm going to have to ask you this one favor. Can we please omit this from being uh, the worst? And the only reason I ask that is that it's it would be really easy to just call this one the worst. Okay, that's fine. Because <laughs> then we have to think a little bit. This one is yeah. this one gets a reserved place in hell. This goes to double hell. This it's is just, a terrible fucking like lazy shit. It's tough because there's so like one like I don't know a, a bunch of bugs eating people is sort of moderate. It's kind of crappy that they eat this dog, which is kind of sad. But there's also like a thousand characters in this like five-page comic and ten thousand lines of dialogue. Yeah, like, and it's like it's just show like, us show bugs eating things. Don't just talk the whole fucking time for ten paragraphs. Yeah, this one's the worst. It's real bad. But let's talk about. But enough of this. I don't want to. I don't want to stain our podcast with the discussion no. of this of death bug. So Fox. Oh God. 2000 AD, annual, 1978. 
Coming out in 1977, what are your top and bottom thrills? First question, do ones that have multiple inside the annual have to be lumped together? So, for instance, I would like you to pick individual thrills from the ones that I numbered. So, the ju- so like the uh, ones where there's two, like Judge Dredd Mock 1, you got to pick a specific one. Fuck yes. You know which one it's going to be? Fucking Tank Trap. Tank Trap all the way. What a great goddamn invasion story. It was amazing. Nice. I loved it. It's good. Up and down. You got some land action. You got some sea action. It's pretty solid. Yes. It was absolutely perfect. It, It had all of the explosions I wanted. It looped in the stories just fine, and it felt cohesive. It wasn't hand wavy and such that wasn't giving us enough explanation. It was just enough for us to know that Bill Savage was going to blow some things up. <laughs> for for sure, uh, my my top thrill man. Um, for me, it's a tie, I guess. No between, ties are good. Between the article about stamps and no, <laughs> <laughs> between. <laughs> Between uh, the first Mach One story where he kills the guy with the missile exhaust, that's the great. Oh, that's God, really awesome. So good. And then with the Shaco prequel, man, because Shaco remains <sighs> the best stuff. And so it really, it really is. And I agree with you on your assessments. Like those two are just so are real good and are just, are worthy of praise. <laughs> <laughs> so here's us talking about these three. Obviously, you should read them, and and realistically, both dreads. Right, like those are the ones that I would definitely suggest as reads for. Yeah, this. the dreads are fine. Like I, I, I was, I was fine with there. the dreads. No, uh, most of this stuff was fine. They're definitely bottom thrills. Fox, what's your bottom thrill? And and let's leave off both Death Bug and the nonfiction articles because what the hell? Of course. So here's the reality of it. It's this toss up between um, Buffalo Hunters and. The second Mach 1, um, which I believe was titled... Operation Operation Hercules. Hercules, Yes. Um, So here's my problem. Operation Hercules is boring shit garbage. Uh, It (laughs) is basically on the same level as Death Bugs. But here we have uh, Buffalo Hunters just taking what is possibly one of my favorite people from comic books, Earl Reagan... (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm being absolutely serious about that. I like that he is a shallow character who has an arc and then it's over. Mm-hmm. Jesus, remember those times. <laughs> um, like, completely screwed it up. And, and that's my tie for this one. Those were horrible. Right. I would say my bottom thrill is the monsters one, where the they attack, the humans attack the farm, and it turns out those robots. Um, <laughs> God, really. Man, I hate... Um, I hate future shocks, man. I hate these future shocks. <laughs> like, whenever it's just like, like, oh, it turns out it was aliens all along, boing, yeah. you know, or whatever. Like, that's, um, I just am so, I hate that so much. It's just like, yeah, so much of this stuff is like, maybe not innovative, but it's just something that's different and unusual or something like that. And so when it's just sort of like, Oh, like, but then it turns out that you're making assumptions, and there's things you you obviously couldn't have known that are like, you know. There's only one defense I will make of Future Shocks because there's only one Future Shock worthy of representation, which is End of Voyage. And yeah, no, well, well, yeah. I mean, listen, 
I'm not saying that. I guess I should go back and say that it's not that I hate all future shocks. I I mostly hate future shocks. It's that it's that I hate this one kind of future shock. Oh yeah, where it's they're incredible. basically just like, all right, we're gonna have a twist. Let's like just start. You know, all we're gonna do is build up to this twist. You know, and there's nothing else for it. Because like the end of Voyage One, while it did have the twist of this guy who's worried about nuclear war and still trying to avoid it is then caught in it like there's also this psychological stuff of people being like oh that guy's crazy or you know he's worried about something that's not going to happen or something like that you had a lot of psychological stuff with him there's stuff in the middle of the story that's exactly that like is worthwhile as opposed to these usual twist ones where all it is is the setup and the twist and that's all that there is you know what i mean yeah, there's no glue putting the two things together, which you got, say, out of these invasion stories, right? How do you take invasion, which is a one-concept, very short-paneled thing, and make it a full several-page story? Hey, you have a little glue, right? Like, mm-hmm. clearly they are able to do this. This is how I feel like they're starting to differentiate themselves from the mills that they go to. Because the mills, you really feel like, oh, this isn't a person who writes for them. It's so blatantly different. Yeah, if that makes I hear sense. you. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Uh, feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. Mm. Tune in next week as Bill Savage meets his greatest enemy, Colonel Volgaska. <gasps> Ju- Judge Dredd fights the Hotel of the Future. Ooh. Dan Dare escapes some future Roman vampire things. (laughs) (laughs) Mach 1 has more close encounters of the third kind. The future remains extremely... And and the future remains extremely shocking. And that's just the first prog. Also, Shaco reaches its bloody conclusion and the Harlem heroes return to play a whole new game. Oh, yes. Until next time, I'm Conrad Heesbox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spun Doug Berthrig. Hey,